Well, we're going to move on to our, our message today. We're getting back into the book of Proverbs. Um, but before we do that, I want to pray. God, thank you so much again for this morning and this chance to gather. Uh, Lord, may this be an encouraging morning, Father, wherever we find ourselves, uh, whether life feels busy, um, whether life feels disappointing, um, w whether we're just kind of like feel stuck or whatever, wherever we're at this morning, I pray that you would, you would meet us, especially as we talk about friendship. And Lord, we know that friendship doesn't start with us, it starts with you. The, the crazy thing of the gospel is that you, God, want to be our friend. And so help us to see that and understand that as we dive in this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been with us this summer, we've been in a series in the book of Proverbs called Who We Want to Be. And Proverbs is a book of the Old Testament. It's like the, the cornerstone book on wisdom in the Old Testament. There's a handful of wisdom books in the Bible that talks about how we can live a, uh, a skillful life, a, a life where we, um, we navigate, the, the, navigate the world well. In, in, in the truth of God. And so we've been looking at the different character traits in the book of Proverbs um, that, that come up. So we've talked about what it means to be wise, what it means to be righteous, what it means to be diligent. We looked at diligence last week, and this week we're going to look at friendship because Proverbs talks about what it means to be a true friend. And and uh, it's easy to be a friendly person. It's a different thing to be a true friend. It's easy to be friendly. It's easy to be kind. It's a different thing. It's a different level to be a true friend. And that's what we're going to discover today. Um, is, what we're going to discover today is this, is that the Bible's idea of friendship pushes us out of our modern comfort zone. The Bible's bar for friendship, as we'll see, is really, really high. When the Bible talks about friendship, it is a deep calling to one another. And we're going to look at that today. It, it, it calls us out of our comfort zone, to give out of our comfort zone, to love out of our comfort zone, and into something more beautiful. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament speak to friendship as deep love, as having a kindred spirit, and as we'll look at, laying down our lives for the sake of each other. And so today's message on friendship is not intended to be a light, fluffy message. It's intended to be a real message that speaks to us where we're at. Like, friendship is not light. Like, it is a deep call to love others like you've never loved them before. And there have been times in my life, like I'm sure there have been times in your life, where you just needed a friend. You just needed a friend. There was a time in my life where I, w I felt stuck, tired, worn out, exhausted. Um, this was when I was working in nonprofit. When it was working for Rebound, the work of Rebound is, is amazing. Working with uh, trauma background, kids and families, it's amazing work. But through the course of two years of working in this environment, my soul was worn to the nub. I was burnt out. I was frustrated. I was tired. And I felt this tension. I felt this quandary in my heart. Like, God, what do you want me to do? Because this work that I'm doing is really, really good and important. But at the same time, I felt like I couldn't be present anywhere else. I couldn't be present to my kids, my wife, my friends. I was just worn out. I was just tired. I felt, I felt done. I remember walking 
going for a walk at Hovander one time and bumping into a friend and they just looked at my face and saw they're like oh you okay <laughs> you know you know you know when you can't hide it anymore like you're so stressed you can't hide it like I had reached that point and what I did in, in this I came to this moment this crisis moment where it's like God can I stay should I stay or should I leave like the work is so good but it's just killing me at the same time so I was stuck so what I did is what I called my friend I called my friend Jody. Jody was a, a, a guy I've talked about before who discipled me for two years. He actually is the, the one who said, Tyler, you should be a pastor. He pushed me towards ministry. Basically gave me, um, when, when, he, uh, when he was leaving to go take on another church, he, he basically lobbied for me to get his house and his job and basically take over his life. And that's kind of how I got thrust into to ministry is through this guy, Jody. So Jody is like near and dear to my heart. I feel like he's been a way better friend to me over the years than I've been to him because when I call him, I'm usually dealing with something. I'm usually in a crisis. And, uh, but he's so patient with me. So I, I just called him and I, I was just explaining all the things going on in my heart, all the wrestlings. And he just listened. He just listened to what I was going through and where I was at. And it just reached this point where he's like, you know, Tyler, I know you got a lot on your mind, a lot on your heart, but I feel like the question I'm supposed to ask is, what would give you the most relief? What would give you the most relief? And something clicked when he said relief. And it just, it just clicked. It's like, yes, I, I, I leaving. <laughs> leaving would give me the most relief. See, he cared about me more than what I could do, or, or, or uh, what I could contribute to something, but he saw where I was at. And he helped me make a hard decision, a hard decision to leave, to go back to where I felt called, which is pastoral ministry, which is the church. I just felt called. I had this longing to be back in church leadership um, during my time at Rebound. But what it took was a friend who knew who I was and could speak right to my heart. And what I've found in my life is friendships like that are really, really rare. They're rare. So when you have one, hold on to it. Don't neglect it. Those are really rare God appointments. It is not the usual to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, like it says in Proverbs. And why is that? Why do we struggle, even in the church, to find those kinds of friends? to have that kind of depth of friendship. I've been in church for a long time, and for a long time, we've had this buzzword called community. We're gonna build community. We're gonna be a church that has a thriving community. Sometimes we talk so much about community, we fail to paint a biblical picture of friendship. What does it actually mean to be a friend? I've said things like, hey, get into a community group, take food to the potluck, and that's community. And it is, like, I love being fed, and I love all your food, and that is an important step. But if we just leave, just leave it there, we've shortened our view of, of friendship and community. It's so much more, it's so much deeper than that. So as we build community through groups, through potlucks, through all these different things, Let's not stop short of this call to deep friendship. 
And I will be the first to admit that I struggle with this because it's easy for me to reduce community to social events, to hanging out, to small talk. I love the small talk, you know? But it's something deeper to be a friend. There's a pastor I know named Bob Hyatt who said this, people will have exactly the amount of community that they are working for or at least willing to receive when others invite them into it. And to put it in simple terms, uh, there's a lot of people in the church that want community, but when it comes to committing and loving and being there in difficult times, that's a different question. That's a different call. And sometimes the problem with community in the church is it, it can become the focus, and when it ceases to be fun or when it enters into conflict, the response can be, well, I'm going to find a different community that, that meets my needs better. Instead of, hey, you're a follower of Christ, I'm a follower of Christ, let's work through this. So today is a call for all of us to step beyond a short vision of community into the larger picture of biblical friendship. How can we have biblical friendship? So I'm going to start this morning. Typically, I read through a passage, um, but I'm going to read three different Proverbs to get us started. Here's the foundation of what friendship looks like in Scripture. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 4 says, one with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Proverbs 27.9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. This is the word of the Lord. A, a little louder. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's good. Uh, so last year... The Survey Center on American Life did a study that revealed the percentage of people that had a close friend, one close friend, um, oh, sorry, this percentage of people who say they don't have a single close friend quadrupled in the last 30 years. So f four 30 years ago, um, there, we, have, we have quadrupled the amount of people who would say they don't have a close friend. They may have acquaintances. Uh, they may have casual friends, but they don't have close friends. And this research group is recognizing that this lack of friendship is really hurting our country, uh, hurting our culture. Some people have called this trend atomization, meaning that your core community is smaller and smaller. Maybe it's just your family. And more and more people are just living individual lives. And, and this is hurting us as a society. So many sociologists and, and health ex experts are saying that atomization is a leading cause in, in mental illness and drug issues and those sorts of things. Um, one person who was mentioned in this article, Dr. Marissa Franco, said, we tend to think about it this way. Uh, we, we don't tend to think about it this way, but loneliness is toxic for our bodies. And researchers, researchers have found that it's actually as toxic as smoking 15 cigarettes a day in its impact on our longevity. So if you want to think about an older age, um, thinking about what time you have for the rest of your life, if you want to try to expand that time, then you need to have friendship. So this is not a pastor saying this. Um, this is not a Christian counselor saying this. This is just 
this general general psychologist saying this today that that friendship is so important and that when we isolate ourselves it actually hurts us physically it actually affects us physically and and you can think about this in terms of our own like what what our culture is selling us right now it's all about you finding the answers within you and you don't need anybody else to be happy but what that does is it puts all the focus all the weight all the burden of ha of happiness on you and when you don't find it you don't have anyone else to rely on and this is sort of the false gospel of ultra independence but what you see in the bible is a very different picture of how we're supposed to live what you see as you open the bible is this god calls us to true friendships because he is a true friend like no other god is a true friend like no other the starting point for biblical friendship starts with god it starts by looking at jesus and seeing how he engages with us this is where we start so we're going to look at john 15 today and what jesus says about friendship this is in john 15 um, he's talking to his disciples and he says this greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you, may, you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. And this is my command, that you love each other. So here's Jesus's core teaching on friendship, to lay down your life for someone else, to truly love someone else to the point that you'd be willing to, to lay, down, lay, lay down sacrifice uh, for them. And so as we're in Proverbs, we're going to start here because Jesus defines what a friend is for us. And at the core, friendship is love. Friendship is is love. We could make it that simple, that real friends truly love each other, they truly care, they're truly invested in each other's lives and future. Jesus makes it really clear that this is what love looks like, what friendship looks like, that it's not about being entertained by someone, uh, it's not about sharing common interests, it's about laying each other's lives down for, uh, for the other person. And this is what love looks like in relationship to God. This is what love looks like in a marriage. This is what love looks like in parenting. And this is also what love looks like in friendship. This laying down of, uh, of each other's lives. Just like Jesus laid down his life for us. It's amazing. Like Jesus wants to be our, our friend. Like, God wants to have a relationship with us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And this is not how it is um, in, in other religions, in other beliefs. Like, God is not distant. The Bible speaks to God being close and desiring a relationship with us. And I think here in, in the church, you grow up hearing that, you grow up hearing that, and it kind of loses its... its uh, 
how profound it is. We kind of lose the sense of like, oh yeah, God wants to, to be my friend, sure. Um, you know, we might even joke about that. But that is crazy that the God of the universe, the God that created you and me, would, wanna, would want to be our friend, would want to step down. Jesus coming down into earth to be among us, be with us. But that's the core of the gospel. And Jesus says this in John 15, that the core relationship between God and man has shifted. No longer do I call you servants. I don't call you servants. I call you friends. I call you friends. That means we can share our struggles with God. That means we can share our deepest thoughts with God. And there is grace because of the cross for God to meet us in that place. We'll be met with love when we enter into a relationship with God. We don't have to hide from God. Our shame doesn't keep us from God. Because Jesus paid all of that on the cross so that we could have friendship with God. It says that Jesus died for us when we were his enemies. Jesus treated us like friends when we were his enemies so that we could enter into relationship with God. So Jesus says we'll be, uh, we'll be his friends if we do what he commands. But then he clarifies, what, do, what is that command? What is the core of that command? Love each other. Extend the love that God has given you out to other people. Like the primary way that we live out this truth that God loves us is the way that we love other people. That's how we worship him. Uh, that's, that's how we extend what's been given to us. So first, we experience this love relationship with God, and then naturally, it's supposed to flow into love for other people. Love for other people. Jesus' primary command is to extend this friendship to other people, to lay down our lives for others. And the New Testament makes that clear as we do that first in this community called the church, that we get really good about laying, lives, laying our lives down for each other. And ultimately, that's what's supposed to be attractive about the church. It's not how great, great the band is or how good the preacher is. It's how well we love each other. Like, that's supposed to be the draw of the church. It's just, man, this community really loves each other well. That's what people want. That's what people need. Okay, if I have friendship with these people, I'll have friendship with God. You know, it's like this connection. It's like this web. And obviously, we can misplace this need for the love of God with so many other things to fill the void, to fill the void of this freedom of friendship with God. And, you know, whether it's partying, partying or toxic relationships or uh, even, like, idolatry, political idolatry, it's all this rooted, it's all rooted in this misplaced desire for the love of God. Like, I want acceptance. I want belonging. I'll do anything to find it. And our, our point of acceptance and belonging is in friendship with God, a, a friendship and a love that won't fail you, that will treat a, a God who will treat you like a friend, Jesus who laid down his life for you. And this is reflected in, in saying that Jesus' followers then lay down their lives for others. And when we talk about laying down our lives, yes, there's the grand gesture that I would fall on a grenade for Ricky right now. Just boom, that, that could be it. I would. Um, but we lay down our lives in so many other ways, right? 
we have time. We have time we can give. Um, we have attention that we can give. We can be present with someone. Um, we have prayers that we can give. This does not have to be falling on a grenade. It's simply sharing our lives and ourselves with each other. So I, I said that biblical friendship will make us uncomfortable, and it's true that friendship requires us to let down some of the boundaries we have. We do have boundaries that, that help us focus on, on the right people. Like if, if we had no boundaries and we, we'd spent no time with our, 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 our wife or our kids, like that, that would be a problem. But God calls us into these friendships where we do let down our boundaries to let people in. Let people into our lives. Let people see that we're not the greatest, cleanest people, right? That we got some mess there. Like, that's friendship, right? To let people in, to let down some of those boundaries. Like, some, our human nature, just that we build walls between each other because we don't want, in, want anybody to see who we really are. It's like, you go back to Genesis, go back to the garden, Adam and Eve. As soon as they realized they, they were walking around naked, right, before sin. No shame at all. But then as soon as sin and shame entered the world, they hid. They, not, they, they, they sewed fig leaves together and they hid, and they hid from God. It's like our mess makes us want to hide. It makes us want to run. It makes us want to get as far away from possible. But, but friends press in. Friends press in. And that doesn't mean that everybody is going to be your friend, but it means that if we're living into this biblical concept of friendship, you're going to have people in your life that will press in, that will, that will run after you. So, Jesus modeled this in, in his ministry. Jesus modeled friendship in his ministry, both with the disciples. And then if you go to John 11, it talks about, it gives us this account of Jesus and his family friends, Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. And there was a point where Lazarus got sick, and he died, and they had been calling on Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead. And in this point of Jesus's ministry, he had drawn so much attention to himself that he knew that if he healed Lazarus, this would be the final nail in his coffin that the rulers of the, the authorities, the Pharisees, would say, now it's time to, to take Jesus out. But because he was his friend, because he loved Lazarus, it talks about how much he loved Lazarus. This is the story where it has the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He wept for his friend Lazarus in grief. Um, but despite of all of this, he told his disciples in John 11, 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Jesus determined, like, I'm going to step in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal my friend, even at my own personal cost. Jesus laid down his life for his friend. So that's what the book of Proverbs, as it talks about friendship, it points forward to Jesus, who is our ultimate model of friendship. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend doesn't just love in times of prosperity, when times are good. A brother, a friend, loves when things are bad, chases people when things are bad. Friends love you in the prosperous times, in the good times, and they chase you in the bad times, or when you're struggling. 
And I want to be clear on this. I'm not saying that friends are codependent, right, or enabling. I'm not talking about, like, sticking in an abusive relationship. Friendship in Scripture is mutual. It is not just a give and take. It is, it is a mutual thing, mutual love. God doesn't call us into abusive friendships where people repetitively take advantage of us. But he does call us into committed friendships that are mutual, where we are going to believe the best about people and believe that in their future, like, and believe in their future and, and step in and love well. You know, back 50 years ago, people actually used to go to each other's houses for food. Like, if you needed a cup of sugar, you didn't take three trips to the grocery store, but you actually knocked on your neighbor's door. Like, this is kind of what we've lost. We've lost that kind of comfortability of, like, knocking on a neighbor's door. You know, but that's sort of, that, that's sort of this picture of friendship. Like, hey, when I need a, a, a cup of sugar, like, I'll, I'll call you. And, and hey, if you, need, if you need butter, like, stop by my house. There's like this, this give and give. It's not give and take. It's a give and give that, that friendship is supposed to look like. Christian friendships are when two people lay down their lives for each other, when they seek each other's good before their own. And we've heard that before on marriage, but, but the Bible applies it to friendship. The Bible applies it to friendship. It's the same principle. And we have this famous Old Testament example of this. The most famous friendship probably in the Old Testament is the friendship between David and Jonathan. Now, David, no, Jonathan was the, the son of the king, King Saul. And David was this warrior who had slain Goliath, really popular, and he was going to be the king, next king. Saul didn't like that. Saul was pretty, pretty jealous of that, actually. But at the same time, Saul invited David to live in his house. And what happened through that is two things. Um, Saul's daughter, Michael, fell in love with David. And then Saul's warrior son, Jonathan, became best friends. Actually, was, became more loyal to David than he was his own father. And so, just look at the way that 1 Samuel 18 describes their friendship. This is 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. So this is a passage that when I, when I say friendship so strong it can make you uncomfortable, like this is one of those images, this is one of those passages. This is where we get the term one spirit, kindred spirits, like-heartedness. There was a like-heartedness between Jonathan and David. And if you've ever experienced something like that, like had a friendship that was so deep, it was like you had similar thoughts, similar passion, similar mission in life. It's a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. And it says he loved him as himself. Jonathan wanted David's good just like he wanted his own good. Like this is a deep, deep friendship. 
And I want you to know that this covenant of friendship, it was common in this time period, the ancient Near East, where they would make covenants like this. They would say, I, we're, we're, you know, we talk about like blood brothers and stuff like that. They would make these covenants of friendship. It was a regular occurrence. This, this is a picture of intimacy within friendship. And I do feel like it's important to say this, and I thought a lot about this, and, and I want you to hear this from the right heart, but because of, our, because of where our culture's at today, some readers might read this, and they might assume that there was like a sexual relationship going on here. But I just want to assure you, or I just want to tell you that, that there isn't one. There isn't one here. Uh, it doesn't say that anywhere, and, and nowhere in the Bible, Old Testament, or New Testament um, do, does, it, does it allow for same-sex sexual relationships. And I know this is a sensitive topic. It's like really praying, should I even bring this up? But I know even as we read this, our minds may go there. We can't take our modern ideas and just place them on the Bible and its time and its place and its context. But as I say this, I also want to say this. If, if, sex, if you have questions about sexuality, if you have questions, um, maybe this is something you've wrestled with, I want you to know that this is a safe place to process those questions, to bring these questions into community, even something like as, as sensitive as this, and know that you'll be received and listened to and, uh, and, and loved as we try to seek Christ together. But I just thought it was important to say that because we read with 21st century, century eyes. So what I want to submit is this, is that this is a story that reveals how deep friendship can be. This is a story that reveals how deep friendship can be. This is a ceremony where Jonathan lays down all of his royal vestiges before David. This is the highest honor that, um, that, that a king or a royal could could give to a citizen. Like, here you go. My armor, my tunic, my sword, my weapons. Uh, like, I love you. What's, what's mine is yours. What, you, what is yours is mine. And this is a commitment that Jonathan would lay down his life for his friend, David, that he vowed to uphold his life, uh, which he did. So God's call to friendship for us today is that we would fight for each other's best, that we would lay it all down. We would step in and, and help, help people, help families that we care about. A great picture of this is in Francis Chan's church, uh, Pastor Francis Chan. Uh, he had a conversation with his elders where he basically said, hey, if anything happens to one of you, I pledge to step in and help your family. I pledge to step in and, and, and help financially, um, help your kids get through college, whatever. It was like we rely on things like life insurance, but he was, what he was saying is there is friendship insurance here, that, that we will uphold your best. We will uphold your family uh, if something happens to you. So God calls us to go outside of our comfort zones for our friends. We covenant to love each other through thick and thin, to sacrifice uh, like Jonathan did for David. What, what's mine is yours. And again, this is not in an abusive or manipulative relationship. This is in a Christ-centered, mutual relationship. And I want to go to this next proverb because it makes it clear that we can't possibly expect to experience this level of friendship with everybody. 
In Proverbs 18.24, it says, One with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. So is it okay to have a lot of friends? Yes. But it's also extremely important to have close friends. The Bible emphasizes quality over quantity when it comes to friendships, in, in the depth of friendship. Maybe you can relate to this. When Facebook came out, I kind of thought I should get as many friends as I possibly can. Right? I looked at the number on people's profiles that said how many friends they have. And I made it my goal to get to 1,000. Because for some reason, I felt like that was the platinum club of Facebook. Like, if I can reach 1,000 friends, I'll, I'll look like I, I'm popular or something, right? I don't know if you had that experience. But what the Bible is saying, and we know now that that's very superficial, right? There's people that we're friends with on Facebook that we probably wouldn't say hi to in the street, right? There's, you may have that. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But, um, but what I'm saying is, like, we, we have a limited capacity when it comes to friendships. I had somebody tell me once that we're kind of like Legos. People are like Legos, and some people have a lot of connectors, and some people have very few. Extrovert, introvert, you know? But, but we're all designed, as far as like our tight, intimate circle, there's only a few people there. Like when Jesus was here, he only had three. He had, he had Peter, James, and John. He had this inner circle of three. And let's, let's not say, like, we have a bigger capacity for friendship than Jesus. Like, let's be humble and agree we don't have that capacity. Because this, what this Proverbs is saying is we can't lean on casual friends. We need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a difference between a friend and a buddy. There's a difference between a friend and a buddy. We need, we need the Jodies in our lives. We need friends that we, we trust, that we can listen to. We can talk about sensitive things with. And that there's a commitment that, that goes beyond uh, words. I think one picture of this, you know, one picture of friendship as we, as we close. Um, in Ken Burns' documentary on the Vietnam War, there's a, there's a soldier that's sharing about how in a battle he was, he was shot. And he thought he was going to die. But the soldiers in that battle were trained that if one of, someone in their unit was shot, they were supposed to lay on that brother's wound and protect them. They're supposed to lay on them, not just to protect them, but to keep them from bleeding out. And this man with tears in his eyes described how he, how he did that. And this man who, who laid on top of him to protect him uh, died in battle. And I thought, man, that is like the picture of friendship, right? That when, when we're wounded, that we're mutually invested in each other, just like Jonathan and David, like I'm going to lay down my life. You know, that is the grenade moment. I'm going to lay down my life. And Christ laid down his life for us. This is what Jesus did for us. We were dying, and he rescued us by laying down his life on the cross. And so as we close today, I just want to end with this picture of community in 1 Peter. I think this is such a beautiful picture of friendship and community and how it all fits together. So this is 1 Peter 4, 8, and it just says this. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So if you want a vision for friendship and community this morning, it's here. Above all, above all, love each other. Above all, what you're committed to do before anything else is to love each other. Like that is your primary witness of Christ is how well you love each other. And then using your gifts. He talks about hospitality. He talks about speaking. He talks about serving. Use your gifts to build each other up. This is a picture of biblical community. We love and we serve. And we do so freely from what God has given us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I can't make it more clear than that. So our goal in, in getting together and building community, yes, we need community, and we're going to continue to hang out together. But the goal is that we would build life-changing friendships, Christ-centered friendships that last, that, that when, when we reach a point of conflict, that we press through it, that we don't recede. And that in that kind of love, that that would be so attractive and transformative, people would want to jump on board. And so that's my hope, and that's my heart. Um, and that's what God, God wants for us as, as friends, that we would love at all times, at all times. That we would stick closer than family. Let's pray into that this morning. Lord, I admit that I'm challenged by your vision of friendship, your call to friendship. Lord, there is a high bar. And God, I need to admit sometimes I'm not willing to jump over that bar. But Lord, I pray for me and for everyone else here, God, that you would allow us to be a church of deep friendships. That you would allow us to love each other like no one else. Like, like, uh, just like Christ, that you would allow us to lay down our lives for each other. Lay down our lives for you, for our families, and for our friends. God, help us to have these deep, lasting friendships. Help us to be a church committed to each other's good, to, committed to conversation, committed to being present, committed to not just trying to figure out what I can get from someone, but how I can love them and serve them. So, Lord, we pray for this. We pray that, that you would free us to be a church with deep friendships. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're going to close in worship today. If you just want to stand with us, um, we're going we're gonna to sing together um, and, and, and close our time. Thank you for being here this morning.